Blog Talk Radio. Wrestling. A love and a passion we all share. I've started a wrestling brand. The wrestling brand. A brand founded on the aspects of wrestling. Two entities working together to create a product that connects emotionally for people everywhere. Collar and Elbow is the brand. Passion and love for wrestling is the drive. I am Al Snow, and this is Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. And welcome back to Off the Rails Radio. It's a nice, chilly night here in the great state of Kentucky. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening, or thank everybody that is, you know, at a later date that is downloading this episode and listening to it. Uh, I promise you, we're going to have a great show tonight. Uh, we got a, we're changing up the format a little tonight. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to thank everybody to that listened in the last week's show with the Spirit of Detroit. It is hands down my most downloaded episode to date. Uh, I want to thank both Cassidy Keith and John Tay Keith for, for calling in and having a great interview. We touched on some touchy subjects last week um, with with professional wrestling and mainly the um, the racism that's in professional wrestling. And really good show. Uh, I was really surprised by it. Had a lot of good feedback from it. Um, I had some people that were negative, but oh well. They wanted us to. They wanted me to you know, you know talk about wrestling more, and I'm just like, well, we did. We just didn't really talk about it in the way that you thought we would. Um, but I mean, we it wasn't all doom and gloom. We talked about their careers, and you know, I, I've talked to talked to Cassidy after the show, and he was he was pleased with it, and so was Jonte. Now, um, social media, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there. There are many different ways you can follow what's going on with Off the Rails Radio. You can go to facebook.com slash off the rails radio. That is where I post the most. Uh, you can check out, you know, upcoming guests. You could, there's a link for Collar Elbow on there. Uh, the new sponsor, there will be a link for the new sponsor after tonight's show uh, because we're about to announce them here in a minute. But you can also go to Twitter at OTR Radio 83. And you can also follow me on Instagram at OTRRadio83. Um, I'm going to try to utilize Twitter and Instagram a little bit more than I have been. But, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a three-headed beast, you know, and I mainly follow Facebook more just because it's easier to navigate uh, for a lot of people. So let's get into the – let's pay some bills real quick. We got Collar and Elbow Wrestling Brand um, founded by OTR alumni Al Snow. Um, you could go over there and go to Collar and Elbow Wrestling 
I'm sorry. Yeah, so, so sorry. I'm trying to read and talk at the same time. It's live TV, folks. I'm sorry. But um, you can go to collarandelbowbrand.com. Uh, they've got the new fall lineup. You can li- you could use the promo code WING and save 10% off your order. Some great shirts. Um, I had a my very first contest last week, um, which was answer what hashtag OCB stands for and the meaning behind it and win a free metal t-shirt. And for everybody that don't know, OCB stands for Operation Comeback. That means after the first of the year, I will be stepping back in the ring on a on a consistent basis. So if you're in Kentucky, check you know, check out my face my personal Facebook page and I will relaunch my fan page soon. So keep up with those bookings as soon as they come in. Now we're gonna go straight to a commercial for Collar and Elbow Wrestling. And when we come back we're going to announce our new sponsor. Fall is in the air. That means pumpkin spice latte. That means pumpkin spice everything. Ugg boots, yoga pants. God, I hope I can fit into mine this season. Scarves. And baseball tees. Hoodies. Not yet, but soon. The metal tee. No need for any season to sit here. And hats. Stop by collarandelbowbrand.com today and get your fall drop immediately. It's fall, y'all. Collarandelbowbrand.com You'll be the coolest person in Starbucks whether you're wearing yoga pants and Ugg boots or not. In fact, I like to go to Starbucks without the bottoms on all the time and just wear my Collar and Elbow Brand type shirt. I immediately get my coffee and go. All right, that is Collar and Elbow, the fall line. Make sure you go to collarandelbowbrand.com and check out that new line. Now, we're going to announce a new sponsor for Off the Rails Radio tonight, and it is called Courtney Cameron Photography. Um, she took some pictures of me yesterday or Sunday uh, with my Collar and Elbow um, metallic shirt, and they turned out really well. Um, and I want to get this out there, not just for wrestlers, but for families as well. Uh, for wrestlers, she does. She can do promo pics. Uh, just get in contact with her. You, if you want to see some of her work, you can go to ccameronphotography.myportfolio.com. You can also find her on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Courtney Or you can email her directly at douglascourtney at yahoo.com. And if you mention OTR Radio today or tomorrow or whenever you hear this, you can get a special 20% discount on a session. Um, I don't have the prices in front of me right now, but just, you know, holler at her and she can get those to you and she'll take really good care of you. We hope to see some more collaboration with Courtney Cameron Photography in the future, so just stay tuned. So real quick, we're going to get into our upcoming guests. Um, We've got November 14th, we got Eric Emanen. On November 21st, Off the Rails Radio goes international with Australian professional wrestler Vinny Vane. Then on the 29th of of November, Michelle Myers. In programming notes, she was scheduled for the 28th, but I will be attending SmackDown Live on the 28th in Lexington, so we had to move her a day to the 29th. Um, I'm going to be off for the month of December, and then in the first show back in 2018, we're going to will be a special McKinney Memories episode. 
for the United States Wrestling Federation. It was where I got my break into the business. Um, the promotion was around for a good five years um, before just it hit some hard times. Not, not so much due to business, but so much due to our the buildings. Uh, we're going to have a special three-hour show. We're going to talk the history of USWF. Uh, we're going to have former USWF talents call in and share their favorite memories. And we're also going to try to have some fans call in and share their favorite memories. Now, uh, as you've seen that I announced, I announced a new segment tonight. Uh, we're going to do this segment. We're going to take our first break, and then when we come back, we're going to have John Creature Feature John Campbell join us live on the air. Now, I was trying to think the other day that, you know, what could I do to kind of help Off the Rails Radio? Because I get some, you know, I get some... Uh, some requests, you know, bring back Bobby Blade and go back into talking some wrestling. Cause we used to have like, we had a, like an entire show dedicated from the ninth, like the 1990s of WWF. Well, I'm going to try something different and we'll try at future and we'll bring you some more of those episodes. But um, I'm starting a new segment tonight called promo of the week. Uh, I'm going to pick a promo from yesteryear and I'm going to play it for everybody and then once the show is over you can actually go to my facebook at facebook.com slash off the rails radio and i will post the video of the promo so tonight um our first promo of the week is going to be dusty Rhodes talking about some hard times here's the american dream dusty Rhodes, and dusty your fans welcome you back man first of all I would like to thank the many, many fans throughout this country that wrote cards and letters to Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, while I was down. Secondly, I want to thank Jim Crockett Promotions for waiting and taking the time because I know how important it was. Starcade 85, it is to the wrestling fans, it is to Jim Crockett Promotions. And Dusty Rhodes, the American dream, with that weight, got what I wanted. Rick Flair, the world's heavyweight champion. I don't have to say a lot more about the way I feel about Rick Flair. No respect, no honor. There is no honor among thieves in the first place. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. You don't know what hard times are, Daddy. Hard times are when the textile workers around this country are out of work and got four or five kids and can't pay their wages, can't buy their food. Hard times are when the auto workers are out of work and they tell them go home. And hard times are when a man has worked at a job 30 years, 30 years. They give him a watch, kick him in the butt and say, hey, a computer took your place, daddy. That's hard times. That's hard times. And Rick Flair, you put hard times on this country by taking Dusty Rhodes out. That's hard times. And we all had hard times together. I admit I don't look like the athlete of the day supposed to look. My belly's just a little big. My hand is just a little big. But, brother, I am bad, and they know I'm bad. And there were two bad people. One was John Wayne, and he's dead, brother. And the other one's right here. Nature Boy Ric Flair, the world's heavyweight title belongs to these people. I'm going to reach out right now. I want you at home to know my hand is touching your hand 
for this gathering of the biggest body of people in this country, in this universe, all over the world now, reach it out because the love that was given me in this time, I will repay you now because I will be the next world heavyweight champion on this hard time blues. Dusty Rhodes Tour 85 and Ric Flair, Nature Boy. Let me leave you with this. One way to hurt Ric Flair is to take what he cherishes more than anything in the world. That's the world's heavyweight title. I'm gonna take it, I've been there twice. This time when I take it, Daddy, I'm gonna take it for you. Let's gather for it. Don't let me down now, cause I came back for you. For that man up there that died 10, 12 years ago and never got the opportunity to see a real world champion. And I'm proud of you and thank God I have you. And I love you. Love you!
All right, that was our Mushroom Head with We Are The Truth. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into it. On the line, we got Creature Feature, John Campbell. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing really good, except for one thing. You What's just that? played Hard Times by Dusty Rhodes. So, no matter how good this interview is, no matter how entertaining this interview may or may not be, there's no way I can live up to anything that that I can uh, possibly have, you know, as far as expectations, because Dusty Rhodes was my lead-in, and who can beat Dusty Rhodes? Right. right. I mean, we will do the best we can, but I think either way we'll make Dusty <laughs> proud. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's the best we can hope for, right? So how are you doing today, bud? I'm I'm doing very well. Um, I uh, fell off my porch earlier. I rolled my ankle. I twisted my knee. Uh, my dogs uh, they trampled me, and uh, so that's that's what I've been dealing with. Uh, other than that, I'm I'm doing very uh, very well. Uh, no complaints okay. on my end, except for it is freezing. Yes, it's getting chilly here. Uh, I just. I've been fighting it for about the last week on turning on my heat, and today I just had to relent. And it ain't so much for yeah, me. Yeah, no, so, it's it's my little dog. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I live in the uh, the small, small, small town of Ash Acres, Michigan, um, and it's it's been uh, below freezing here at night. So uh, yeah, we we just had to turn it on or freeze to death, pretty much. Mm-hmm. All right, so I guess we'll go ahead and dive on into it. Uh, I'm going to start lead off with the question I always lead off with when I interview a wrestler, um, and that is when right, did you uh, discover bo- boxers? Boxers. Boxers. <laughs> you're gonna you're, you're gonna you're gonna ask boxers or briefs, right? Ah, uh, well, that question was sprinkled in there somewhere, but it, we would have eventually got to it. But I guess we can go ahead and get it out of the way now. Okay, uh, well, boxers, when it's really cold, uh, when it's really warm, just uh, nothing. Just, uh, you know, no no pants whatsoever. Um, I get arrested often, but it's fine. I have a very good lawyer. He gets me out of a tight jam every time. Um, But, yeah, so boxers, when it's cold, nothing when it's warm. That's that's the question you ask all your guests, right? Right, absolutely. Uh, So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the question usually is, when did you first discover professional wrestling? Oh my goodness, I was a youngster. I mean, I had to have been about, I'd say, anywhere between three to five years old, and you know, just and when you're that young, it's all a blur anyway. But I'll never forget it—the uh, the first time I ever saw professional wrestling. I was at my cousin's house. My cousins were not nice. They were not nice kids. They would pick on me. They would torture me. Uh, they would beat me up any chance that they got. And so um, I remember running away from them and actually hiding in their basement. And um, their basement had like a little kind of um, like a den in it. And uh the TV just happened to be on and pro wrestling just happened to be on. I don't remember the exact match, but I remember plain as day, the wrestler on the TV was Tito Santana. Mm-hmm. Everybody always says, Oh, I saw Hulk Hogan. I saw my, mine was Tito Santana. That was my first ever pro wrestling memory is I saw Tito Santana 
probably facing some enhancement guy and winning the match, and I was hooked ever since. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine was similar, except I am the one that goes, uh, Hulk Hogan's my first memory. Uh, the first, you know, I think I started watching when I was like three or four, and the first thing I remember seeing, I remember two things. I remember seeing Hulk Hogan on a big screen, which I later found out uh, my dad took us, my dad took me and my mother to a um, closed circuit WrestleMania three showing. Um, okay. And uh, and then the second thing I remember was the main event when Hogan lost the title, and I swore up and down I'm crying. Uh, I think the spit that's coming out of his mouth is blood. And then uh, I keep saying, he just lost the Intercontinental title. He just lost the Intercontinental title. He's still the heavyweight champion. And I just did not want to believe that my hero got beat. <laughs> Was that the one with the uh, the two uh, Hebners with the evil twins? Yes. The okay, yeah. The desperately million-dollar man got got some plastic surgery done to a referee. And yeah, I plastic just, I, surgery. Yep. Yes, I hated it. And, and you know what's and you know what, what's funny? Um, like, uh, not not like so many years later, but I'm sure, you know, me and you, we probably had similar experiences. You know, like, I would go to our local video store and I would just rent, 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 like rent, you know, every possible wrestling video, um, you know, a hundred times over just because I loved it. I could watch it so many times. I remember... I was watching. It was a uh, it was a Starcade '87 video, and I saw um, it was one of the Hebners on there. And this is before you know. This is when I was like, you know, still like, oh, wrestling is re- you know 100%. It's all legit. This, that, and the other thing. And I saw one of the Hebners run out to the ring, and I'm like, huh? How about that? <laughs> Because right? I, I don't remember, I don't remember if they called him Earl Hebner or Dave Hebner, but they said his name somewhere on there, like mm-hmm. because uh, you know with the gold Crockett they would announce and they would you know announce the participant participant, and then they'd say your referee for tonight is so and so, and yeah, it was it was one of the Hebners, and I'm like, huh? Mm-hmm. How, yeah, that would have. How about Crockett, how about that? Right. <laughs> It just blows your mind. And I, I, I yeah, know in yeah. Crockett, it would have been Earl Hebner because Earl was in Crockett. It would have been Earl. In, yeah, WWF. And then when Earl came over and they did the – it's funny. They come in because I was just – I listened to uh, Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard all the time. Yeah. And, yes, um, I love it. The great yes. show. And uh, Conrad made a great point. He was like, isn't it funny? Because I was, I was listening to the Randy Savage episode. He was like, "Isn't it mm-hmm. funny? They do this big deal where the fake, the, the evil twin comes in. He comes in, screws Hogan, and then he's the one that actually sticks around, and Dave disappears." <laughs> it made and, sense, yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, but yeah, like uh, you're, you're it, trying to apply logic to an illogical situation. <laughs> yeah, but that I remember that was the first time I thought to myself, "Huh." Maybe this pro wrestling thing isn't as legit as they'd like to make us think, you know. So you're a kid, you don't you don't know any better, but uh but yeah, no, that's just uh kind of a little funny sidebar there about uh the yeah. evil twin Hebner where mm-hmm. I'm like, Huh, yeah, that's yeah, that's, I, it's not adding I up. I can't recall when I figured out 
that it was all a work. I just remember people saying, oh, that's fake. Hogan and Randy Savage were having, called having beers afterwards, and I just, I just didn't care. I, I loved what I was watching. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, I I think as I grew older, you know, the older you get, the more you, you know, start to understand, you know. And it, to me, it never stopped being fun, you know, as far as like, you know, because some people, they get turned off, like once they find out it's a work, you know, it stops being fun for them. You know, wow. to me, it actually sort of made it more fun because then, you know, before I was in the business, I would try to figure out all the little tricks. You know, I would try to figure out, huh, how did they do that? How did they do that? You know, nine times out of ten, it would be me. Oh, how did they do that without getting hurt? And then once you get in the business, it's like, oh, there is no way to do that without getting hurt. This sucks, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So I would always try to figure out, like, the little tricks, um, you know, as far as how the, um, you know, inner workings of, like, certain things would be. Okay. Now, before I when we got on the air tonight, I, I usually try to do a little bit of research on my guests. Um, which I'll be honest, as far as like databases, there's not a lot out there on you that I can find. So, um, no, I, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to fix that. I, I don't, I don't know. I've, I've done some pretty cool shit, <laughs> you know, right? but yeah, I don't know. Like there is, there's a uh, cage match profile on me that, you know, if you were to believe them, I, you know, haven't, uh, wrestled since like 2009 and you know i actually wrestled in belgium one time which i right. never have but <laughs> you know and uh but yeah no i mean I've, I've done some pretty cool stuff um you know i uh i've been in business uh since 2006 uh my initial training was from a guy whose name i do not want to mention because basically he took 1500 bucks of my hard-earned money showed me how to bump, showed me how to run the ropes, and then sent me on my way to get my ass kicked. I'd go to these shows, oh, I was trained by so-and-so. And they're like, no, that guy's an idiot. And, you know, and then they proceeded to beat me up and call me an idiot. But I found my way to a um, wrestling school here in Michigan called The Electric Company. And that's where, you know, they trained me, trained me. And, you know, I've uh, been hitting the bricks ever since. Okay. Yeah, because I, I found you on Cage Match, and it's actually they got your last quote-unquote match in 2013 for Pro Wrestling King. Um, then there's okay. WrestlingData.com, which is, I think, large database. And you're not even in there at all. Because <laughs> uh, I tried looking for John Campbell and Creature Feature. And... Huh. But then I look, and a lot of indie guys hasn't been updated in a couple of years. They mainly just update the WWE stuff. So, uh, yeah. so I'm so you you kind of covered my next question, which was you know when did you start, how did you start, and all that good stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's how I uh, broke in, so to speak. Um, you know, just as as a young as a young you know naive kind of kid, you know, you hear. Oh, this guy has ring and he's training people. He must know what he's doing, you know. And turns out, you know, I unfortunately, because I see this happen quite a bit to a lot of people, you know, that's not so much the case. And then, you know, you have to take some, you know, um, you you'll find like some well-meaning 
you know, individuals, some well-meaning vets who, you know, may have been in the same situation and they try to steer you in the right direction and stuff like that. So, you know, that's kind of what happened to me. They're like, hey, you know, go go train over here with, with these people. You know, they're close to you and they know what they're doing and they're legit and they'll, like, give you opportunity and you'll actually be on, like, some shows worth a damn. So. Mm-hmm. Now, um, now, a lot of guys, it's like my me, for example, me, you know, when I started, it took me a minute to get it. And not so much the bumping, because bumping to me just came very naturally. Um, but like as far as the psychology of the business, how long did it take you to for it all to click? Um, honestly, I would say, you know, when when you're young, you know, you want to try to do like A through Z as far as like spots go and everything like that. But, you know, the the actual school that I went to, um, you know, trained me very old school, you know, very much psychology based. You're, you know, they were like, let's get, you know, the actual uh, fundamentals of a match down first, you know, and then let's, you know, mm-hmm try to throw in like some flashy stuff. So, I mean, I think like as soon as I started going to an actual school, that's when I started to get it. Mm-hmm. And how long was you in the school before you started working shows? Um, not very long, uh, just because, uh, you know, um, I had, I had that crap training, but I was working shows. Um, and then it was basically like, I would work on the the school had a, a wrestling promotion with it, and so I would work on those shows. And it's basically like you know they put me in the ring with like vets, and it was like kind of on the job training. So you know it was basically just you know I didn't really have much time to get my feet wet. I just kind of dove right in and you know did a lot of learning as I went. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I one of my previous guest um from a from from last week actually he was like yeah i learned how to bump and then they just threw me in there and i figured it out on my own and and that happens i find that that happens a lot more now than it used to as far as new guys most i mean when i broke in it was you trained for about six months and then you could work you know the occasional battle royal and then then you can work a match and yeah see i like I, I've heard that, but then, you know, you listen to, like, uh, shoot interviews with, like, you know, guys during the territory days where wrestling was still very guarded, you know what I mean? Like, some of these guys, they were, you know, especially, like, in the Memphis territory, you know, they were throwing them in the ring before, you know, they knew their, their ass from their elbows, you know, it seemed like. And that just speaks to the volume of, like, how good all of those guys were back then because they could take somebody – who basically was a broomstick and they could give, you know, a solid performance with set broomstick and have it be believable. Now the fans come back next week to like the Mid-South Coliseum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I think in, in this, at least when I first broke in in 2004, I think it was more, you know, lower tier promotions. We don't want to put this green as, you know, greenest grass guy out there and like in the first or second match and then have, you know, Joe customer that just bought a ticket think, well, if that match is like that, then they're all like that. We're back in the day. 
you know, you could put a guy out there for five minutes, let him get eaten alive by a vet that you're trying to build and be yeah. pretty safe, even if it turned out to be a stinker. Well, and especially now, you know, um, like when, you know, you said you broke in in 2004, I wasn't like, you know, very far behind you. Um, you know, but now in 2017 where, you know, your dollar really has to go a lot further, you know, mm-hmm. so if people are coming to a show and they're paying their hard-earned money, you know, they want to see, like, a good performance, you know. They don't want to see somebody stink up the ring. So I find that now they're really trying to, you know, make sure, you know, at least most most places, you know, there's still places out there that don't care and they'll just, you know, take your money and send whoever out in the ring, you know. But I find, like, most places they're really trying to, up their game in that aspect. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. So, um, usually when guys get started, what was the f- the first couple promotions that you did get to work for? Uh, the first couple promotions that I got to work for, um, there was a group out of Detroit. They used to run every week in Detroit. They were called the uh, Blue Collar Wrestling Alliance, and that's really where I got a lot of my first experience. Um, you know, after, you know, the guy who ripped me off, um, you know, they took a chance on me and they said, you know, Hey, come in, you know, we understand your situation. We'll put you in with guys you can learn from this, that, and the other. Um, and then, uh, there was universal wrestling, which was the company that the the school was, you know, affiliated with. And, um, I actually got a lot of good opportunity there. You know, later on, I was able to work with like, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Al Snow and Road Dog. So, you know, a lot of cool stuff there. Um, but just any anywhere and everywhere, man. I wanted to be one of those guys when you opened up Pro Wrestling Illustrated and looked at the results, you'd see my name in, like, all these different states. So, I mean, like, I would just – I would work anywhere and everywhere. Like, my first few years, I was Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, Ohio – you know, just anywhere and everywhere, Wisconsin. Okay. All right. Now, uh, what was the first promotion that you got to work for that you got your first break in? Um, like as, as far like break in, as far as, as, far like, as you know, like started your getting first big big push. I guess you could say. Okay, uh, the the one associated with the the school, Universal Wrestling, um, just because you know I they would see me and I would come in and I would just work hard and they could see that I really wanted it and you know I think they felt sorry for me too because I got ripped off initially and you know not only am I you know paying to train at this school but I paid a guy to train me and he didn't give me anything so. You know, it's basically just, you know, hey, this kid really wants it. This kid's really working hard. Um, you know, I was there on a consistent basis. Like, every they had training um, every uh, every Saturday and Sunday when there wasn't shows. I was there every Saturday and Sunday, you know, from I think training was, like, from noon till 5. You know, just uh, just every, every day. And so, you know, they could see that this was just, what I wanted. And so they, they started, you know, uh, pushing me and giving me like good angles, good storylines, titles, things like that. So really universal wrestling was my first break. Okay. 
Now, have you always been known as Creature Feature John Campbell, or did that kind of come later? It came later. Uh, when we first started, it was um, a group of me and a few friends, and um, we broke in together, and a lot of places wanted to put us together as, like, a tag team or, like, you know, have uh, one of us as a single, two of us as a tag team. There's three of us. It was myself, uh, Cody Kelly, and Nick Vancor. And uh, when I first started, I was the gentleman, John Campbell, and um, actually did a Canadian faction. And so um, we would go around and we would be, you know, Canadian heels and, you know, all that. But that actually wasn't my idea. That wasn't my creation. And, um, you know, after about eight or so years of doing that, it just kind of grew stale and grew old. And they always say, like, you know, the best gimmicks are the ones that are just you cranked up to Mm -hmm. ten. And just me in my real life, you know, I really love horror movies. I really love punk rock. So I took that and I just kind of tweaked it and the creature feature kind of came out and then that's that's what I've been running with ever since. Yeah, I, I can definitely un- identify with you there. When I first started, I had a bad habit of smiling in the ring. And I've told this, I think I told this story <laughs> last week as well. Uh, and, I, you know, I was just happy to be there. You know, I was a 21-year-old yeah. kid getting to live my dream and I, and I wouldn't Heck stop yeah. smiling. So my trainer, he was like, I'm going to put a hood on you. And I didn't like it at first. Um, and it ended up being the mass superstar. And he's like, you're going to wear that hood until you stop smiling. And which, you know, I quickly stopped smiling because I figured, hey, I stopped smiling. I can get out of this hood. So what ended up lasting a couple months, supposed to be a couple months, lasted eight freaking years. And yeah. and I but I'm sure you I'm, made it your own, you know, and I'm sure you uh, took it. And, and took the ball and ran with it. And that's kind of what we did with the, the Canadian thing. You know, I said, even though this isn't, you know, this isn't something that I created, I'm going to, you know, make it my own and it will be mine. And, you know, that's where I got like some of my biggest opportunities, you know, as, is doing that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, when I was the mass superstar, all I would, oh, sorry, I would get the, um, the classic, Ah, uh, stop ripping off Bill Eady. Which my secret to that gimmick was, I never watched a single Bill Eady Mass Superstar match because um, I didn't want to watch what he was doing and then try to do it myself. I wanted to be me with a mask. That's pretty much all it was. Sure. And then after in 2012 was when I decided to lose the hood, and I did it in both of the promotions I was working for at the time. And then after I lost the hood, all the same workers that said. You need to lose the hood. You know, you need to stop, you know, you know, be yourself. It's, man, we really miss you with the hood on. And I'm just like, make up your freaking minds, people. <laughs> no, I, I I, will get that. I'll, I'll get that from, uh, you know, uh, some of the – some workers and some fans. Um, you know, they, they'll they say that they, they miss it. But for the most part, you know, um, the past couple of years that I've been doing this, uh, you know, things have been um, – you know, very receptive as far as, you know, just from fanfare and, and things like that. Cause doing the Canadian, you know, gimmick, I was pretty much a heel everywhere. 
And now with this, you know, even though it's kind of, you know, like a crazy wild man, you know, it gives me the chance to be like, you know, a baby face in, in certain places too. So, you know, so that's pretty cool because, you know, when you spend, when you spend eight years, you know, as a heel and then, you know, you switch your gimmicks and then, you know, you're all of a sudden a baby face now, you know, it's a whole different ball game. I saw a lot more t-shirts now too, so that's pretty, yes. pretty cool. But I'm always a question <laughs> but, too. I, ha- I have more fun as a heel, but I make more money as a baby face. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I, I was – go ahead. Go ahead. Because when, when I did the same thing, I worked as a heel from 2004 to 2011. 11, and after I turned babyface, I kept wanting to do my heel stuff. And I'm like, I can't yeah. do that. <laughs> and it was a yeah. hard adjustment at first. See, I like, it, it's it's strange because, you know, as um, as a heel, it gave me the opportunity to, to do and say things that, you know, I normally couldn't say, you know, in uh, a, quote, real-life scenario. You know what I mean? You can't go around, you know, basically telling everybody to stick it. You know, you're not going to have very many friends. You're not going to have, you know, a very good life away from wrestling. But, um, you know, I found it almost therapeutic in a way, being a heel. But, you know, over time, it got to a point where, you know, life started imitating art and, you know, I kind of in a way became that kind of cocky, arrogant guy. And it turned out like, you know, oh, hey, maybe I'm rubbing people the wrong way and maybe I, you know, need to need to knock this off a little bit because, you know, at one point in my life, I was, I you know, there's no bones about it. I was a dick. I was not cool to a lot of people. You know, maybe not so much in wrestling, but, you know, just my shoot life. I had a lot of, uh, you know, not like issues with drugs or anything, you know, uh, but, you know, just a lot of uh, personal issues where, you know, I would kind of lash out at people. So it kind of became like, oh, okay, I can do this as a way of therapy. But then it came, became like, okay, I said this to somebody the other day. That would be cool to say in the ring. And then I thought to myself, well, maybe I shouldn't be saying that stuff to people away from wrestling. That's not awesome. Yeah, because so. mm-hmm. yeah, if you're an asshole real, in real life, it's very easy to be an asshole in the ring. And Yeah. But because I, yeah, I, I used to run into guys that, used, that would have the, the issue is just, it was like, you know, just because you're a dick out there, don't mean you got to be a dick back here. And I would tell them, I mean, the difference between – out there and people in your everyday life is you got to see them the next day. You don't have to see that, you know, random fan that you, you know, that you was a prick to the next day. So you might want to watch yourself. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I see, I see. And cause I mean, I mean, it happens. Yeah. It's all. I mean, yeah, it, 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 it really, it really took a, yeah, it really took a, like losing a lot of friends to, you know, kind of wake up and, you know, um, now, now I can say, you know, without any hesitation, you know, like I've turned turned all of that around, like, you know, a complete 180. And, and now people tell me I'm too nice for the wrestling business. Go figure. Right. It's like you're back to the whole, you know, which one Which one do you want? Do you want Dick, <laughs> Dick John? Do you want Nice John? 
<laughs> right? And then, and then when you have, because everybody has to be a dick once in a while, and then when you are a dick because you're, you know, so nice to everybody, it really catches people off guard, too. You know, so then instead of, you know, just being an asshole for that, that one day, you're, you know, super asshole because it's, you know, you have to be, and they're not used to it now. Mhm. Right. Because I re- I remember uh, I remember I I took some time off after 2012 because I got burnt out and I was becoming very unpleasant to deal with. And when I I came back for a cup of coffee in 2015, and um. My first thing I I did, which if anybody else is in this position, I highly recommend that you do it because it will help you out so much. I did the best I could to bury as much heat as I possible and make it right with Mm -hmm. the people that I was a prick to. Sure. Absolutely. No, I've tried to to do the same. You know, I mean, I've never – I've only taken time off like once and that was in uh, 2013 when uh, I was wrestling down in uh, Tennessee and I um, injured my back pretty bad. Like, it, it wasn't it wasn't so bad, but then I think, like, the, you know, 16-hour drive home, like, really hurt. <laughs> hurt it worse mm-hmm. than it was. Um, and it probably wasn't 16 hours, but it was something ludicrous like that. Um, but yeah, by the time I got home and I got into bed the next day, I like couldn't get out of bed and it was pretty pathetic. So I'm like, okay, I got to take some time Mm -hmm. off here. Um, but no, just, uh, you know, you'll, you'll find that, or at least I've found, you know, in wrestling, people will come and go, but you know, at the end of the day, all you have is, is your reputation and, you know, I can lay my head on the pillow at night knowing that, you know, at the end of the day for, you know, as much as I've tried to give back to the business, you know, as much as I've tried to do what I feel is right in the business, you know, I can lay my head on the pillow feeling pretty good about myself because, you know, I've tried to right the wrongs that I've made in the past and, you know, some some right some wrongs you can't right. You just have to mm-hmm. move on. And yep, and 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 that's my usually my advice to people is when you do have that that nuclear heat with somebody, um, try to bury it. But some like like John said, sometimes you can't, people. And I mean, but yeah. you can take solace in the fact that you know you tried. And I don't think I've ever had nuclear heat with people, um, at least to my knowledge. Um, there, there have been misunderstandings, but you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's ever gotten to that point. Like, you know, I don't think I've ever lost bookings or anything like that, but I mean, there's just been some disagreements and I think everybody has that, you know, it's not like I went through, you know, went into a locker room and started trying to fight people or anything like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So moving along, um, what, because I'm looking at um, cage match, and I'm gonna run over some promotions, and uh, we'll just have you tell us about your time there, matches you may have worked, maybe some angles that you may have worked, titles won. Sure. Um, and then, and then the I, cause that cage, because that cage match, like I can, I can tell you, like that cage, that cage match is kind of, 
you know, like, yeah, some of those places I've worked, but I think there's one there. It says, like, I've wrestled in Belgium or, or something yeah, like that. Belgium I don't know where. Cash I don't Wrestling Federation is what it's called. Yeah, I don't I don't know where they got that from. That that was not me. <laughs> um, so, right. but I could t- I could tell you I could tell you like the promotions like you know I work for that I've been working for like you know all these years and things like that you know. Mm-hmm. But we we can start with like the cage match and then just kind of move on to like you know the okay. the meat and potatoes of my career okay. as I like to say it. The only one that's been on here twice, um, which I know it's, I think it's pretty local to you, is Pro Wrestling King. Yeah, they are out of um, Indiana. I wouldn't say they're pretty local to me. They're about, I'd say, seven hours away from where I'm at. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I really like my time in, in Pro Wrestling King. I'd love to come back. Um, I, I haven't been there in, in a little bit. Um but yeah, no, great, great promotion. They run out of uh, Indiana. Um, you know, Eric King, the promoter, great guy. Uh, I got to uh, actually wrestle one of my best friends there in like his first match away from his home promotion. Um, his name uh, at the time was Stuntman Mike. He used to come out, you know, full head to toe in like Evil Knievel gear, and it was completely awesome. And the little kids loved him. Um, so then me being the Canadian guy at the time, you know, I got to beat up the, the red, white, and blue guy. So we got to work the USA can- Canadian thing. And so that was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, they had a, uh, they had like a big kind of tournament thing called the pro wrestling grand prix where they, um, it was a bunch of, uh, the local Indiana promotions had guys in the, um, you know, in that. And so I got to do that and that was fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, it was, it was a nice promotion. They still run. Um, I think spirit of Detroit, the guys you, uh, you know, interviewed the uh, last week, I think you said it was, they, they work uh-huh. there. I do believe. Um, uh-huh. yeah, it's just, it's just a really good promotion. I, I highly recommend anybody listening. If you're in the Indiana area, check them out. They're, they're good people. Okay. The next one it shows here, it looks like it's, one of the NWA brands, East maybe. Uh oh, NWA AE maybe. Uh huh. Uh, I never worked there. <laughs> that was um that was a well that was a promotion um that was ran by a buddy of mine uh, named Keith Dillinger, um who uh, is really good friends I'm really good friends with uh, out of in and out of the ring. Um, he, he was running a promotion, uh, and it was kind of down the road from that, uh, school promotion that I would work for. And so a lot of times they would use the same guys. So a lot of times people would get those shows mixed up. And so I think that's probably what, uh, what happened there. So, you know, I, I, I did not work there either. Unfortunately, I wanted to work there. But um, my uh, trainer at the time um, was really leery about um, having his guys work for that company because uh, it was run by former students of his, and they had a falling out. Gotcha. Even even though like even though a lot of the same guys did, I wouldn't work there out of loyalty for for him. And then you know it turns out I should have because you know I just I missed out on like some you know good matches and good times. But you know whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, because on cage match it shows NWA just by itself, then it's NWA yep. East, and then NWA Midwest. Okay, NWA Midwest, I I did work for a lot. Okay. Um, they they run out of uh, Ohio, and um, you know I got to uh, wrestle there quite a bit. Um, I was uh, I was gunning for their heavyweight title, and then they switched management, and now they don't run anymore. So. Oh, that's one of, that is yeah. very disappointing. Yeah, it's one of those uh, sad things, I guess. Mm-hmm. And we've already dis- determined that be- that Belgian catch wrestling is bullshit, so we'll move on to the next <laughs> one. <laughs> I, I should tell people that I wrestled there, though. You know, I, I, I should just be making up, like, all these – I should just be making up stories because I feel like this interview is going uh, – <laughs> oh, I never wrestled there. Oh, I never wrestled there. Right. I should be like, oh man, NWA AE man. I dude, I wrestled Hulk Hogan there. It was one of his rare indie appearances, but he didn't want it to get out because he didn't want other indies booking a man. And he actually put me over. And I I should right. be making up like completely asinine stories like that. But right. Uh, I guess yeah, I guess cause... I'm not that clever. I opened up the link and it said on May or on April 5th, 2008, Black Cobra defeats John Campbell. And this was at Film, Filmall, Belgian, Belgian. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. And while you were talking yeah, about uh, in the Midwest, I tried to YouTube it. I was like, maybe we'll get lucky and this match is just on YouTube. No such luck. No. Unfortunately, oh, it, it was it was not no, um. But yeah, no. Uh, I can I can tell you um, because go, going away from cage match because like I'll 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 see that cage match and I feel like that cage match profile like kind of makes me miss out on like bookings and stuff like that because people will like mm-hmm. Google that and see that and be like, Oh, well this guy hasn't wrestled since like 2013 mm-hmm. or, or whatever. Um, but no, I, I do indeed wrestle, uh, every weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, the majority of that is for, uh, Imperial wrestling entertainment. They run in Holton Lake, Michigan, Uh great group. They, they actually have a lot of syndicated TV, um, you know, throughout the, the United States. So that's pretty rad. Um, and you can find all their stuff on YouTube. Um, I wrestle there. I wrestle for Michigan wrestling organization. Uh, they run like twice a month out of the, uh, Flint, Michigan area. Uh, I actually just lost their, uh, heavyweight title over the summer. I had that for about a year and a half. So I had like a really long run there as the, uh, the heavyweight champion. Um, and I, you know, I'm making more appearances like other places, like, uh, in, you know, uh, on November 26th, I'll be debuting for Cleveland Wrestling Alliance in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, but yeah, just, you know, I, I am out there. I am wrestling every weekend, but you know, if, uh, you, you know, go by that cage match profile, I'm, you know, I'm surprised it doesn't say that I'm deceased. Right, because uh, there's only two more promotions on here, and I, they're both yeah. in Michigan. So um, at least we, I, I hope that those are legit. One is Detroit style wrestling. I've never worked for Detroit, Detroit style wrestling. 
<laughs> Wait a minute. Open that link up. Hold on. I may. I may. No. Hang on. I may have. Oh, open okay. that link up. What is it? What does it um, say? It says tag title tag team title sixteen bunkhouse battle royal. Levi Blue and Roughhouse Rob defeat Chuck Whedon and Curtis Spade and Jamie Cox and the DBA and um, Cody Kelly and John Campbell and Sam Farmer and Willie Watts and Sonny and Vinny Scarboni. Okay, Tyler yep. Jones. No, I, I remember. That, that, that actually wasn't a uh, DSW show. That was um, Michigan Championship Wrestling. I, yeah, I do remember. Now that – okay. Yeah, it was like Michigan I'm, Championship Wrestling. I remember that match because uh, I, it was um, the first time I met Sam Farmer. And uh, he's he's a guy, you know. I really, I really like his work. He actually used to do the old, um, you know, in the '90s uh, Memphis TV. So you know, he's definitely one that I like to pick his brain. And uh, Willie Watts, that was actually his, uh, I think, first or second ever match. And uh, he's actually one guy that, if you know anybody's out there listening, you should check him out. He is super entertaining. One thing that I've so far have taken away from this interview, I've got to find new sources. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, yeah, like I like I said, I'm surprised it doesn't say that you know I I'm not dead. dead. Yeah, because the this, that website worked really great for the Spirit of Detroit. I interviewed a guy named Donnie Dollars from Virginia about a month ago. Great information, you know. It it, it and then I come to you, and it's like. Ugh, they they've dropped the ball. Um, and the uh, the other <laughs> promotion, and this this can't be real because if it, if it is real, this promotion has got the coolest name in the world. It's Mister. Hold Chang on, Shaw. let me let me. Yeah, Mister. Chain. I was going to say, let me stop you there. Is is it Mister. Chainsaw Wrestling? And yes, uh, that is real. Um, I don't know where there. There's a story behind the name, but I don't remember it. Like what? I, what I want to say is like the guy who runs it. Um, I think he used to be like a local radio personality, and that was like his name on the radio or something like that. I might be wrong on that. Um, but yep, nope, that is that is real. Um, I have worked there. Um, cool promotion. Uh, you know they they don't run regularly anymore, sadly. Um, mm-hmm. because they used to, uh, you know, run, they used to run really regularly and they kind of run in a, um, off the beaten path town in Michigan. Mm-hmm. It's a small town called Kalkaska and, yes. um, you know, the, yeah. And they'll bring in like, you know, big name guys. Like, you know, they brought in like Mick Foley and the Sandman and Scott Hall and Cody Rhodes and you know what I mean? So like, it's really cool to kind of, you know, think about, oh, these people who probably would never see these, uh, you know, big-name guys ever in their life, you know, they get to see these guys. So I always thought that was kind of neat. But, yep, no, Mr. Chainsaw is a real promotion. Okay, yeah, because i seen that, and I was like, well, I was like, if some of the other ones are, are BS, this one's got to BS, and I'll be damned. The one that I could, could have been convinced that was BS before we talked, turned out to be legit. <laughs> and and I want I also want to thank you for having me 
on your podcast because I'm sure after you saw the um the that profile you're probably like, man, this this guy doesn't do anything. This guy hasn't done shit with his life. <laughs> you know, this guy, this guy wrestles once I, every like five years. Right, because at about five o'clock, I, I use uh, you know my time. Um, I, are you on Eastern time or? Yeah, I'm on Eastern time. Eastern. Okay, so about five o'clock, I uh, I usually start to do my research and get you know get my run sheet ready because I try to run my podcast like a like a show. I have a you know, a run sheet about how long I like to go. And I, I, so I type in John, Creature Feature John Campbell. Um, and mm-hmm. I see a bunch of stuff. Then I type in Internet Wrestling Database, go to Cage Match, type in John Campbell. And I'm just like, well, there's not a lot to go on there. But because if I wouldn't have had you as a friend on Facebook, I would be really stuck. I'd have been like, should I cancel this show? I was like, wait a <laughs> oh, minute. No. I, his posts regularly show up in my feed, and he's doing a lot. It's like I believe a couple a week or two ago, you were involved with Ring of Honor. Yes, sir. And what yep, all did um, you do? With uh, uh, it was actually a really cool experience. They um, were running a show uh, in Mount Pleasant, which is only about I'd say thirty to forty minutes away from my house. So uh, myself, uh, Jacob Braun. Benjamin Brody and Sean Lathrop, uh, Brody and Braun both being wrestlers and Sean Lathrop being a, um, you know, production guy for, uh, the, the Imperial wrestling entertainment promotion that I was talking about. Uh, we all met up down at the, um, ring of honor show, um, because they needed like, you know, extra hands. So, you know, we, uh, got to be part of the crew you know, just grunt work, set up the ring, stuff like that. But we actually got to work out in the ring before the show, and we got, like, some really good pointers and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we got to, um, you know, just really kind of take it all in. We met all the guys and everything like that. And uh, it was uh, kind of lucky because um, some guys that I knew from the Michigan scene, uh, Leonard Brand, he was doing the photography so, you know, I got to, you know, meet him again and catch up with him. I've known him for years and years. We actually road trip to a show in Wisconsin one time. It was the longest probably 10 hours of our lives. But we did it and we made it. And then um, Mike Z, uh, who does a lot of their production work, I was actually on his first ever show where he was a color commentator. So he's like, John Campbell, holy shit. So, you know, that was really cool. So we got to help out with the show. Um, you know, Sean got to be the timekeeper, and we just got to do, like, ringside crew and stuff like that. But, you know, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a really good experience. We were welcome back, and, you know, you never know. They might need some extra bodies to actually get into work next time. Yeah, that was going to be my next question was, do you think, a like, a tryout may come from it or anything like that? Never say never, you know, it it just takes one guy to not show up and, you know, oh, hey, John, you're like six foot five and, you know, you're a pretty big guy. You want to get in there and hell yeah, let's go. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's rule numero uno in the wrestling business. Even if you ain't booked, if you go to a show, take your stuff because you may need. Absolutely. Yep. Nope. When we were uh, working out in the ring, we, uh, you know, we made sure like we we knew i told all all of our guys like hey make sure you bring your gear because you never know 
And, you know, we, we didn't change in the locker room, obviously. You know, we didn't want to be presumptuous and, you know, take our bags back there. We changed in the bathroom and stuff like that. You know, we were just, you know, very respectful and very thankful for the opportunity. And, you know, if they come back to the area or, you know, surrounding areas, we'd love to be there. And, you know, even if it's just to help out, you know, it's a ring of honor. Mm-hmm. Those guys are, like, some of the best in the world, you know. Yep. Uh, now, what all – do you have any interesting angles going on right now in some of the promotions that you work for? I actually just ended um, in Imperial Wrestling Entertainment. Um, I was their first champion. I actually have a fun story about that. If uh, you know, we could sidebar after the story. But I was Go their ahead. first champion. Oh, uh, just well, here. Let me tell this, and then I'll I'll sidebar. But um, I was their first champion. And um, we so we were doing the angle where, like, there's this new kind of, uh, like, you know, upstart wrestlers named Caesar Asher uh, came into the promotion. He's like, you know, it's your time to get out of the way. It's time for me to, you know, take my place, and I'm going to take your spot and this, that, and the other. And so, um, you know, we've been working a series of matches, which just ended in a pumpkin patch death match where um, – Every uh, corner of the ring has, like, a jack-o'-lantern, and um, every jack-o'-lantern has a weapon in it. And Mm -hmm. so I don't know if I invented that. I'd like to take credit for it. Um, But, we, you know, we had an awesome match, and, of course, you know, he won. I put him over. Um, And so that just ended. Um, I just ended a feud in Michigan Wrestling Organization with Michael Reaver. He you know, beat me for the strap, and then he beat me in the rematch, like, really cementing him. And now it's my turn to, like, you know, work with, like, the young guys down there and bring them up to the next level. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. But sidebar, okay. Uh, IWE, I became the first ever champion by accident. Hmm. How was that? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember I'm trying to remember all the specifics. Basically, it was um, it was supposed to be a DQ, and um, then the show after that, it was going to be like a, a title tournament where I was never supposed to win the the title anyway, because um, at the time I had a hand in booking the shows, and so I never wanted to be the guy who books himself on top. But um, basically, it was me versus Will Vendetta, and um, I was supposed to hit Will Vendetta with my finish. One, two, and then there's a big run-in and a big schmaz. So I hit Will Vendetta with my finish. One, two, three. Uh, there was a wrestler named Apocalypse. He missed his cue. Oh. He never came up. He never, I don't know if he was, like, in the bathroom or what. Never did his run-in. <laughs> so, so I'm probably the only guy to ever win a promotions heavyweight title by accident. How cool is that? That is pretty cool. And at least you know, the guy that you were working with didn't bury you and kick out of your finish. Yeah. So. Yeah. Like, uh, it's fun because after the three count hit, he looks at me like all wide eyed. And he's like, Should I kicked out? And I'm like, Brother, <laughs> I don't know. Like, because we, we both kind of looked at each other like, Oh shit, what now what? And so, like, you know, I couldn't get on the mic and say that didn't count. So, you know, I just had to grab the belt and celebrate. Mm-hmm. And 
You know, and then, and so then, of course, like, on the Internet the next day, everybody's like, oh, John Campbell put himself over in his, you know, in his promotion that he helps book for and this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, yeah, that's that's what happened. Right. Uh, and, so. and, I mean, I and, it, and it's funny you say that, tell this story, because it just reminded me of something similar, but it wasn't with a heavyweight title that happened um in that promotion that I mentioned earlier when I was plugging my future shows, USWF, um, I was yeah. part of a tag team with a guy, and you may know him because he works a lot in Indiana now. Uh, his name is Zodiac. And um, okay. we were a tag team called The Violence Factor. We stole our name mm-hmm. from the Disturbed song. And um, we was re- you know multiple-time tag team champions. Well, we did this Halloween match where there, it, was sim- it was something about buckets, uh, you know, Halloween buckets with the pumpkin buckets and inside a piece of paper. And, you know, one bucket is the heavyweight championship. One bucket is the United States. One bucket is the tag team. And then I think that was mm-hmm. one bucket for the number one contendership for the, uh, the heavyweight title. And uh-huh. and then there's one where you got water dumped on you. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of our version of the feast or feast and fired from TNA. But instead of getting fired, you get a bucket of water dumped on you. Um, I thought okay. it was a stupid premise as far as the bucket of water, but is what it is. Well, me and Zodiac yeah. was supposed to get the bucket of water. Um, and Zodiac drew his bucket. He got his bucket. He got it handed to him by the announcer who was the quote-unquote commissioner. And it's the tag team titles. There you go. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, Jamie, God love him, tried to take – the bucket back and say no 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 you got the wrong bucket and you know he pulls the mic down he can he cuts it off with his fingers said sorry guys but we got to fix this and me and zodiac under our breath said if you do this you're going to make us turn take us from the biggest heels to the biggest baby faces because you're going to screw us yeah because now yeah because now you're getting screwed yeah mm mm-hmm which we fixed it which i mean happenstance it led to a really good tag team cage match the next month that was one of my favorite matches. So I'm grateful. And see it. Yeah. And it turned out the guy with the supposed to get the number one contender ended up getting a bucket of water, which was even more funny. <laughs> <laughs> but, but isn't it, isn't it funny? Cause kind of how you said, um, with the whole, uh, tag team, uh, cage match, you know, the next time, uh, isn't it funny? Like how sometimes the biggest mistakes can lead into like something like really good. Um, yes. you know, without, you know, without that happening, I wouldn't have, because, uh, you know, we had to move on and do a feud with myself and uh, Will Vendetta, the guy that, um, you know, I was in that initial match with. Uh, and so, you know, we did like a really good uh, six-month feud, you know, where I ended up dropping the belt to him um, on our uh, last show of the year that year in uh, 20, was it 2014? 14 yeah 2014 and um so yeah no it was it it turned out to be a really good thing because we got a really good series of matches out of that and then that last match that we had um you know it all kind of came down to like a no dq match and so we had like you know everybody on the roster just getting involved and you know running in and you know everybody who was like you know in a storyline like you know a heel would come in and you know 
family, me out, and then the guy he was feuding with would come and chase him out. We did, like, you know, a bunch of false finishes, and the fans, like, you know, bit on every single one. So, yeah, no, it, it was. It was really cool. It turned into a good thing. But I just always kind of, you know, think that's a funny thing to say. You know, oh, yeah, I won the heavyweight title by accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you get that a lot. It's like, you know, the best person you you can ever come up with ideas for is yourself. And a lot of people were like, yeah, you always want to book yourself in the main event, you know, as far as not so much maybe for the belt, but just in the top story. And I was like, because I can see if I do it, how it's going to go up ahead. And I was, I've never been a booker ever. And yeah, but I would come up with ideas for myself all the time to the point that it got me heat. <laughs> see when, when I, when I was doing it, it was, um, it was almost the opposite where um, I would, uh, book myself in the opening matches and usually the other guy would go over and it got to the point where like you know other people who were helping out they're like you know John you're you know whether you realize it or not I know you don't want to like you know be perceived as like you know the the booker puts himself over and stuff like that but whether you realize it or not you're really over with the fans you know you need mm-hmm. to stop booking yourself that way and give yourself a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. and so then you got to try to find a, a happy medium because, yeah, no, I think we've all worked for those promoters who, you know, book themselves on top and, you know, book themselves to be invincible. And, you know, at the end, at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with that because, you know, if you're the promoter, you're not going to no-show your own show. So, you exactly. know, if you put the strap on, yeah, you know, if you put the strap on yourself, you know, you know you're going to have at least your heavyweight champion there. But, um, you know, I, I think everybody's worked for those promoters, though, where, you know, it's just, it's like the, you know, 50-year-old out-of-shape guy who wants to, you know, destroy, like, you know, everybody on the roster and, you know, and then wonders why only 10 fans are in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Bro, nobody will believe it if you beat me, bro. I've heard that a lot. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm like, I'm, like, yeah. I'm twice your size, but yeah, nobody will believe it if I beat you. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, what you know? What can you do? Yeah, but at the end of the day, I you know I I got I was I ended up on my back and I still got paid. So what does it matter? There, there you go. Uh, what is, what does uh, Mr. Snow say? Can you pay me? There you go. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I've never been one to out. I mean, I've put over a manager for a heavyweight title before, and yeah. um, a lot of you know, I walked in. I was I was the mass superstar. We was getting ready to turn me babyface. We was about a month away from the turn, and mm-hmm. um, I walked in because it was a weekly show in Georgetown, Kentucky. I walked in, and the booker looked at me, and said, "You're putting over Jim Chadwick tonight," and I was like, "Okay." I was like, "So." So how are we doing? He said, well, you're putting them over for the belt. And I was like, just make it make sense to me. And if it makes sense to me, I'll do it. And he's like, there's going to be a number one contendership battle royal that Jim Chadwick is going to win by a fluke. I was like, okay. He said, you're going to come in the ring, you know, wanting to go ahead and do your match now, get it out of the way. And, um, you know, he's going to beg off, you know, pleading, you know, don't kill him. And then he points behind you and then there, and then there, there's Cujo, and he's going to choke slam you, and then Jim Chadwick's going to pin you. I was like, I'll mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> I'll yeah. do it because that makes sense. And it was the biggest yeah. was pin me. 
Hello, are you still there? Yeah, can you hear me? I can, I can now. I can now. You kind of cut okay. out on me a little oh. bit. But I was like, uh, it made sense, and it was the biggest pop of the night. Yeah, heck yeah. You know, like, I've never been one to, you know, worry about uh, win, wins and losses and, and everything like that. You know, like, I honestly, you know, for, for somebody who's, you know, been – I've basically been on top of almost every promotion that I've worked for regularly. You know what I mean? And that's, that's not me, you know, gloating or, or anything like that, you know, just, I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but, um, you know, all the, all these promoters that I work for, you know, they see something in me, but, you know, even as somebody who's been, you know, on top of almost every promotion I've been in, I lose more than, than I win, you know, cause at the end of the day, if I'm a certain degree of over, then it's only going to help the other person who is going to beat me get more over than they were before. You know what I mean? Cause at the end of the day, wins and losses really don't matter. unless, like, you know, you're Goldberg and you're running like the streak angle but um, you know, wins, wins and losses don't matter. There's not like a, a record book anywhere that's gonna t- say, you know, this so and so lost to so and so on this day. So you know what I mean? Like you know, the, as long as the fans like what you're doing and the fans remember what you're doing, you know, they're they're not gonna care. At the end of the day, they're gonna still love you as much as they did before. Yeah, I mean, the only time I would ever say no to putting somebody over is if I was the heavyweight champion for a different promotion that was within the same area. You know, and sure. I was like, I'll lose, but they're not going to beat me clean with a finish. And some some promotions yeah. that were a little new school that I got heat with, but I didn't care because I was respecting the guy that, you know, put his put his faith in me and made me the number one guy in this company. Oh yeah, sure. No, you don't want to, um, you know, you don't want to crap on the the title. You know, you got to come back the the next week or next month or whatever, and and make that title mean something. You know, it's not going to mean something if a guy like two blocks over, you know, uh, steamrolls you. Exactly. But um, so real quick, uh, John, what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and take our second break, uh, stretch okay. legs a minute, and then we'll come back and we'll finish up. All right, sounds good. All right, we're going to take another break real quick. Uh, we listened to some, we listened to some a little bit of uh, heavy metal, I guess you could say. But we're going to switch it up and we're going to go to a little bit of of rap. Um, here is the Triple Threat with R.I.P. Which 
run alone into a hood store parking lot. I got the beef banging like blue jeans down in the buffalo sauce without the blue cheese instead of ain't fly no more. I got the new wings, I got them all watching how we do things and changing up their routines. Oh, you ain't fucking with the new team. I don't give a fuck how you doing. I just want to find out where you stand, start shooting. Fuck arguing, I got no time for it. Rather get my dick sucked and just ignore it. I get bored because you write the check and your mouth can't pay for it. I bitch slap your lips back. Step quick like Kit Kat. Call my galaxy like I was Chris Pratt. I want to fuck where your bitch at. Better put a leash on it or we gon' have a mishap. Put your three fingers up if you're fucking with me. East side, I still claim. Ain't a thing to have somebody turn a dead in the basement. Nothing changed. Think we're in the same lane. Highly confused. For a second, storytelling got me mildly amused. But like every politician, you abuse your power. Time to hit the pot. Or better yet, hit the showers. You some cowards. What you thought I'd say back? Never that the threat is on the block. Bringing savage on the track. You bitches still like the death. Don't you accept it? Representing with the thing. Somebody always gets a clip. Rest in peace with the whether you're wearing yoga pants and Ugg boots or not. In fact, I like to go to Starbucks without the bottoms on all the time and just wear my collar and elbow brand type shirt. I immediately get my coffee and go. I think Al Snow got his idea of getting his Starbucks and just his collar elbow shirt from John Campbell. Just saying. <laughs> I, I mean... All pants are, at the end of the day, are just leg prisons, you know, and we need to free our legs, we need to air out a little bit, you know, just just make sure you're not in a um, heavily populated area, and you're okay. 
You know, every right. morning I wake every morning I wake up, I let my dogs out and just out the back door, man, I just you know, let let the breeze overtake my uh undercarriage and that's how I like to start the day. It's better than a cup of coffee. Right. All right, man. We're gonna go ahead and get into a couple more questions. Um so it throughout your career, what would you have to say would be the best match that you've ever been in? Ooh, that's that's a very uh that's a loaded question. Um I'm gonna go ahead and pick uh three and um I'm going to pick them for very different reasons. Um the first one that comes to my mind is a match that I had back in May with a wrestler named Jacob Braun. Um he is by far one of the most promising up-and-coming workers in Michigan. Uh, he has a very unique look. He um, can go in the ring. He can work any style. And we tore the house down, and a lot of people say it was the best match in Imperial Wrestling Entertainment's history. So, you know, I'm very, very honored that people think that. And um, it was one of the best in my career, for sure. It kind of let me know that, you know, hey, I can, you know, I, I can have all these different kinds of matches, but, you know, I can do things, too, that, you know, people are really going to remember. And that's when people still come and say, you know, hey, John, that was like some of your best work, just from top to bottom. So there's that one. Uh, there's the time I wrestled Al Snow, um, the man who, you know, we just, spoke about and you know we're both big advocates of the collar elbow brand so you know big ups to that but um i wrestled al snow back in 2012 and um just a big time learning experience you know um we went out there we literally planned nothing but the finish and we just went out there and we worked and you know that was a big time learning experience too because you know, he really taught me to slow down, take my time, milk everything for what it's worth. Um, he had me beg off a few times to the point where, like, the fans were getting, like, rowdy. And they started chanting, we want wrestling. And so oh, crap. we went to lock up. Yeah, and he went, we went to lock up again. He's like, do it one more time. So I backed off one more time. And then by the time we finally locked up, the place exploded. Wow. Yeah, it, like, clicked in my head, like, holy shit, I get it. You know? And then, um, for the third one, I'm going to go ahead and say myself versus uh, Jeff Klaus in the first ever Pumpkin Patch Deathmatch. We did that at Michigan Wrestling Organization. And um, it was by far the most violent match in Michigan wrestling organization history. We were both busted open, and you know, it was just it was it was, it was pretty heavy. And uh, we both, uh, you know, took some years off of our lives. But you know, again, that was something that the fans remember. I did. People talk about that match all the time. They say, "When are you going to do another one?" And I say, "Probably never." <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, those those matches at least definitely uh, uh, take a lot out of you. Yeah, and and we just did one at um, IWE, but it was far more tame. This one had, uh, you know, like thumbtacks and and barbed wire and things like that. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, CZW level of violence or anything like that. But it was it was definitely pretty rough, you know. And I'm one of those guys like, you know, hey, let you know, death matches. If they're done right and they mean something and it's the end of the feud, you know, I'm okay with them. If they're just violence for the sake of violence, blood for the sake of blood, I think they're stupid. And this one was definitely end of the feud, you know, let's make it mean something. Let's go out there and just, you know, really hammer home that we hate each other. And that's what we did. Yes. Because, I mean, there's, for me, on for those type of matches, it's, well, there's two spectrums. There's the deathmatch matches for the sake of deathmatches. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I'm looking at you, IWA Mid-South. Um, I just I don't get them. <laughs> I don't get what they're supposed to accomplish. Uh, but on the other end, on the nonviolent spe- spectrum, um, Ring of Honor um, kind of falls into that line. Which not death matches, people. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a dummy. <laughs> I know they don't do death matches, but it's something on the other end that is just as unbelievable. Um, which I don't know if they still do it because it's been a while since I've watched Ring of Honor's product, but um, mainly because I don't get it on Time Warner cable anymore. And which um, is, is safe. me, say, you know, Thomas Wing. Disaster piece Thomas Wing and character feature John Campbell has been in a six month feud and we hate each other and we want to kill each other and then and then they're talking us up on the way to the ring that we hate each other and want to kill each other. Then at the beginning of the match we do the, the handshake gimmick. And it's like ugh. Um I I can see <laughs> I can see that. Um uh, but a lot of times like it's not like when, when Ring of Honor like first started, um not you know, not that I, you know, I do. I, I try to follow up on everything, you know, just to see like what what's hot at the moment and stuff like that. But like you know, I'd be lying if I said I was a diehard Ring of Honor fan from like the, when they first started till now. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't, I don't think that like the handshake thing is something that's forced. Now, like, I, I remember back in the day, like, uh, when they first started, I think, like, every match had to start with a handshake. But now, like, it's one of those things. They use that a lot to establish, like, the heel and the face. Like, the face will go for the handshake, and the heel will not shake the hand. And then, you know, oh, that guy's a dickhead because he didn't adhere to the code of honor and, you know, yeah. this, that, and the other thing. So. You know, I, 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 at least I, I could be mistaken, but I think that's like how it works where, you know, you're not forced to do it. I know when we were at uh, Ring of Honor last week, um, there was like some heels that didn't do it. So, you know, which, which I, I'm assuming if it's one of those things like the old fine system in Germany, because, you know, you've worked over near there according to cage match. Um, where, <laughs> yep. I remember reading about it. I think, Foley's Foley or Jericho's book, maybe both, where um, like you would actually get fined for cheating, and then you know, huh. you know the, the heel would the heel would cheat, wouldn't get caught, 
And then when the baby face would have enough and start doing it back to him, the baby face would get caught, and then the baby face would work the crowd into paying for his fine. Then, of course, you know, the, they would tremendous. collect the fine, and they would split it between, you know, the ref, both workers and the referee. Um, That's tremendous. That's great. Genius. Which I stole when I first broke in. I was about a couple years in. I stole that at an indie show, but it wasn't like for fines. Um, there was a promotion yeah. that was ran. It was called Gen X Wrestling. Great promotion. I only got mm-hmm. to work there a couple times, and I was working a benefit show, and um, they were raising money for a kid with cancer, I believe, and they did a deal. I did a deal where I come out. I'm in. The, I'm. I'm not in the main event, but I'm in the semi. And uh, I don't remember who I worked, uh, but Kelly Kelly Charles is his name. Really good guy. And we did a deal where I wasn't paid enough to wrestle tonight, so I need the the purse or all the what the money that the show brought in, the tenants. And they they quote unquote write me a check, and um, which is supposed to be for all the money that's supposed to go to the kid. Of course, now I look like an mm-hmm. asshole because I'm taking this kid with Cantor's money. And they write me a, you know, it was a dummy check. And I'm like, well, this isn't enough. So I'm going to take this money. I'm not wrestling tonight and I'll see you guys later. And um, so the commissioner who was the announcer, which that always seems to be the case in wrestling promotions. The announcer is also the commissioner. And and he he talks to the fan. um, Well, first Kelly gets on the mic, challenges me to a match for the money. And I'm like, well, there's not enough money here, so I'm still leaving. So Kelly, you know, yep. talks to the fans, you know, donate. You know, we need $100, Joe, just to finish off this payoff. And then I'll beat him and take all the money. Of course, we raise, I think, 150 more. And he beats me. I lose all my quote-unquote money, and all the money goes to the kid. And it, it takes, a lot awesome. of, takes a lot of work to do something like that. But that's but that's that's really cool, and uh, you know you you raise money for uh, you know for the kid and everything like that. So you know that's that's awesome, man. That's that's really that's a really good story. Um, yeah. You know, I I always thought it was really cool. Um, you know, just kind of a sidebar. Um, I always thought it was really cool, like how uh, pro wrestling, you know, is really one of the only you know, events that I see regularly that does uh, a lot of charity events. You know what I mean? Like, you know, my Facebook page, I mean, they just did one here in Michigan. Uh, There was a local wrestler, uh, his name's uh, Pete Christie, and uh, his young daughter unfortunately passed away from cancer, and they just did a big benefit show down in uh, Bay City for him. And, um, you know, so, so I always thought, like, you know, pro wrestling, you know, for everything that it is and it isn't, you know, a lot of people are quick to condemn pro wrestling, but you can, you can just point to like, you know, Facebook and on every, any given weekend, you'll see a a pro wrestling show that's, you know, a benefit for something, you know, Imperial Mm -hmm. Wrestling Entertainment, uh, you know, they do their shows up there for um, the youth center that they wrestle in, you know what I mean? They take, uh, you know, they take like a bunch of the money that they make off of the shows and it goes to the youth center and they actually just got the um, youth center um, 
you know, out of debt to the bank. So now the youth center is owned by the people who run it. You know, it's not owned by the bank anymore. So, you know, just, just cool stuff like that. You know, I, I was, uh, you know, whenever I have to defend pro wrestling to people, I always, you know, that's the first thing I point to is like, you know, well, when was the last time you raised money for a kid with cancer? When was the last time you raised money for your community? You know, all these pro wrestling shows do that. So, you know, shut up. Yep, exactly. Uh, I've 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 been a, a part of very many, and most of the time I would always donate my pay, even no matter how far I traveled to the cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and you'll see you'll see guys they'll come in they don't want to do it you know they don't they don't want to donate it's like you know I've got a strict rule it's like the kid with cancer I got told by a veteran which I'm, I think that back looking back they were ribbing me but um you know work the kid work the kid and I'm like I'm not working the kid. <laughs> I work everybody yeah. but the kid. And there's a difference between being a heel and being an asshole. <laughs> For sure. Uh, no, I, absolutely. I uh I almost started a riot down in Detroit, like uh you know, one of my um like when I first broke in, I was probably about a year in and I I learned that quickly. You know, there's there's heats there's 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 heat where like they want to see the uh, the baby face you know beat the heel, and then there's heat where they're just not going to come back, you know. And uh, I remember down in Detroit, there was I was wrestling this guy named Scotty Freyton, and uh, he's like the good-looking baby face all the you know teenage girls loved, and you know. Um, this was a promotion that was running every week, so everybody's familiar with, like, you know, all the characters, all the storylines, everything like that. And so he had this really big group of, uh, you know, teenage girls who, you know, just absolutely adored him, like, you know, Ricky Morton and like, you know, the 80s. And um, I'm beating him up on the floor, and this uh, teenage girl uh, spits her gum at me. And so, you know... Me being me, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm the heel. This is, you know, what I'm gonna, do. you know, this will, this will be a good idea. The gum up off the floor, I put it in my mouth, and then I spit it back at the girl, and I call her a whore. Oh, not a good idea. Yeah, oh. that was way <laughs> over the way over the line. What what I what I did not see, after I threw him back in the ring was this girl's father get up, leave his seat, go out the front door to get the gun out of his car. Oh, crap. Yeah, had to have a uh, police escort out of the building. And I tell this story, and a lot of guys are like, oh, man, that's so cool, it's like the 80s and this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, no. Because what you didn't see was the promoter telling me, the way I see it, you owe, like, he he did some math because it was like a whole family. So, you know, say it was like, you know, five people at 10 bucks a ticket. So that's $50, right? He's like, the way I see it, that's that's $50 that you owe me now because those people are never going to come back. And I'm like... Oh, I get it now. Because, you know, mm-hmm. you see guys, like, you know, a lot of guys will take that Dudley Boys approach 
where they just want to be like the most vile, you know, horrible people. But there's that fine line where it's like, you know, okay, be that guy, but have them come back. You know, you don't want to be so so over the top where they're never going to come back. And, you know, that, that night I definitely was, and that's where it clicked in my brain, and I finally got it. Yeah, and unfortunately in in Kentucky and in the South, you'll get these these idiots that want to use race in a promo, and I'm just like, no, no, don't do that. And but I'm getting heat, brother. I'm like, no, you're not. You're you're going to. I mean, granted, don't get me wrong. Majority of our of our audience is white, but that don't mean that they're going to like it too. And yeah. Because I remember those yeah, a couple of years, right before I took my time off, right before I hurt my knee, uh, there was a guy, he was like, I'm edgy. And that was his excuse for uh, using not the N-word, because I probably would have punched him in the face if he had said the N-word. But yeah, um, it. It, it was something similar. And I, I, the guy the guy was considered a veteran compared to me, but I, I just didn't hold back. Because, you know, I, I, racism has get zero tolerance for me because I, I think I never think no. with, um, the spirit of Detroit last week I made that very clear racism is zero tolerance and yeah and it, and it should and it should have you know everybody should have zero tolerance for unfortunately they don't um and it's it's sad that it kind of speaks for the, the kind of world that we live in where you know some places, you know, not only is that tolerated, but it's encouraged. You know, I know, I know if I were a promoter and somebody tried to do that on my show, you know, not only would they not be welcome back, but, you know, I'd make it, you know, probably a, a mission to, you know, make sure that, hey, this guy shouldn't be booked anywhere. Like, I'd try to put that out there, like, you know, hey, this is what you're going to get on your show if you book this guy. You know, and going back to, like, what you said about the guy being a veteran, you know, um, sometimes, you know, like, yeah, we're supposed to respect our, our vets and the and people who came before us, but sometimes just because they're a veteran doesn't mean they're right. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, nine times out of ten, like, you know, they're going to be speaking from experience, but then you get that tenth guy who you know, has never really been anywhere, never really done anything, but, you know, is trying to tell you, you know, how you should do, you know, how you should do you and how you should do this and you should do that, you know, but then you watch him and then, you know, you say, he'll he'll go out and do something like that. You're like, you know, this this guy isn't right. You don't know what he's talking about. He's a piece of shit, you know? So, yeah, no, absolutely not. Racism has no place in professional wrestling, you know, but you'll have people who will argue against that. You know, people will say, you know, they'll be quick to point out, you know, guys like Roddy Piper who used to, you know, kind of push the edge card, the edgy race card, you know, back in his day, and you know, a few other people, and you know, it may have been a different time, but still wasn't right back then either. Exactly. Well, man, um, I do want to say that it's we're getting ready to wrap it up. Uh, I do want to say thank you for coming on tonight. Um, oh, you got thank a couple you for more. having me. No problem, man. I hope to have you on again in the future. 
Um, Absolutely. Uh, so if if any of my listeners out there are wanting to find you on social media, where all can they find you at? Uh, you can find me at the Cage Match Database. No, don't go there, please. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter. Um, my handle is uh, at G John Campbell. You can find me on Facebook under Creature Feature John Campbell. Uh, I'm on Instagram under Creature Campbell. Um, I am a collar elbow uh, affiliate. So, um, you know, if you're not going to use, you know, Tom's uh, promo code, I would love it if you'd use mine, if that's okay that that I plug that. Um, My, uh, okay, my promo code is uh, Creature Feature. Um, So, you know, if you're, like I said, if you're not going to use Tom's, please use Tom's. First and foremost, his promo code is WING. Uh, use his first and foremost, uh, but then if you want to buy a second shirt, please use the Creature Feature promo code. We both thank you. It's a little extra money in our pockets. Um, uh-huh. And uh, you can catch me. I will be uh, this Saturday in Lake Orion, Michigan, for Michigan Wrestling Organization. Uh, it's at the ONTV Studios Live uh, Studio Wrestling, like you remember it from... Uh, you know, the old uh, NWA Jim Crockett days. We go on the air at 6.05. Um, you can catch us there. Uh, the next week, I'll be at Imperial Wrestling Entertainment in Holton Lake at the Artesia Youth Center. And then the week after that, I'll be in Cleveland, Ohio, for uh, the Cleveland Wrestling Alliance. Um, catch me on my social media for all the info on those shows. And again, Tom, thank you for having me. No problem, man. Uh, you can you can stay on if you want to listen to the well, if you want to listen all the way through, but I'm pretty much going to be just do, you know, doing what I did at the beginning. So, man, I, I do want to thank you. You can stay on the line if you so choose to finish out the show. If not, man, I will holler at you later. Uh, it's, it's getting to be my bedtime, but um, I'll definitely listen to the rest of it once it goes up for downloading. All right, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Have a good night. You too, brother. All right, that was John Campbell, the creature feature himself. Uh, really good interview. Uh, I've, I've always said that my favorite interviews are the ones where I don't have to talk a whole lot. And this has been one of the more fun, interactive interviews. Um, you can catch him everywhere he said. Also, you can catch me on Facebook.com slash Off the Rails Radio. You can catch me on Twitter at OTR Radio 83 and at Instagram at the same handle. Uh, do you want to go ahead and plug my sponsors one one more time? We have Collar and Elbow Wrestling Brand. You can go to collarandelbow.com. You can check out the new fall line with the metal tee, with the hats, with with a bunch of different shirts. You can use the promo code WING or Creature Feature to uh, save 10% on your or, off your order. Also, check out my new sponsor, Courtney Cameron Photography. The website is ccameronphotography.myportfolio.com to check out all of her work. You can also find her at facebook.com slash courtcameronphotography. You can email her directly at douglascourtney at yahoo.com. And if you mention OTR Radio, you get a special 10% discount off your session. Um, The upcoming guests are, we have Eric Emanen next week. On the 21st, we've got Australian independent wrestler Vinny Vane. 
On the 29th, we've got Michelle Myers. We're going to be off the month of December. And the first show in 2018 will be a special McKinney Memories episode for the USWF. Uh, we're going to go over the history of the USWF. Plus, we're going to have former USWF talents call in and share their favorite memories. We'll also have fans call in and share their favorite memories as well. And so th- this has been Off the Rails Radio, everybody. Good night. We are going to leave you with Sabotage. You know, guys, we put together a little special thing just for this show tonight with our brothers in Slipknot. Won't you crazy-looking motherfuckers come out here and let's do this shit! Are you ready to scream? Shit, brother.